Hello and welcome to Brain Trust Live number 488. This week on the podcast, don't worry you guys, Marianne Williamson will soldier on in the presidential race. And E. Jean Carroll continues her mission of making Donald Trump look poor. Plus, reminder, regardless of who Fonnie Willis is vacationing with, Trump still did the crime. And Texas is finally starting that civil war they've always dreamed of. Plus, Joe Biden wants to shut down the southern border, but the GOP won't let him. And Nancy Pelosi is badmouthing Vladimir Putin for being a peacenik. 2024, man. We'll have all this and more. This is Brain Trust Live. Hey y'all, I'm Brent. I'm Lila, and you can find us on the web at www.braintrustlive.com. Here we are. We're back, only a few days after our last podcast, after a month and a half of not showing up. I was going to say. A double week. Yeah, you know, I mean, did you think that we were going to be consistent in any sort of way? I know, it's been... Actually, you should. For a decade, we've been pretty consistent. A decade, we've been very consistent. And (laughs) I feel like we'll find our consistency again. We will. It's just yeah. we go through seasons where we're yeah. not that consistent. And one of those seasons is the kind of season where it's theoretically our favorite time of year and nothing of interest is happening. I know. That's the problem. It's like, like what are we going to talk about on this fucking podcast it's like, this week? There was an election this week, but who cares? It's like so disappointing <laughs> because this is, if nothing else, an, a presidential elections podcast. I know we talk about lots of other stuff sure. because you have to because there's only one of those every four years. But like, <laughs> right. this is a podcast that was formed in 2012 during the primaries where we follow to the week every ridiculous thing that has happened in every primary that is yeah. happening in America to the greatest extent possible. And yeah. this primary season is so disappointing. So disappointing. I just saw a TikTok where someone was like, maybe Michelle Obama's going to run for president. And I was like... Now people are just making TikToks of any random person running for president because everyone is so unenthused. Well, people have been seeing Biden the last couple weeks, you know, attempt to be speaking in public. You guys, I don't know what kind of media training they are having in the Biden White House, but whatever's going on, not one person who is like a visible figure in the Biden administration seems capable of delivering coherent remarks at the moment. And these are all people who've had lifetimes in politics. I know. Like, this is, we were talking about this last week. Well, that's the problem. We've Joe Biden, Kamala Harris Joe Biden make has remarks. had, like, four lifetimes in politics. Four so lifetimes. And also, none of, of them the have involved him not making gaffes at every turn. <laughs> right, that's true. Kamala Harris used to be a person yeah. who delivered a coherent speech no, every time you heard her. Yeah. And you can be mad or happy that she was a prosecutor. It's like, there's, maybe we've had times where we've been annoyed about her, <laughs> right. about her actual political experience or what yeah. she was saying. But she always delivered it in a way that yeah. was coherent and articulate uh-huh. and well-delivered, and I, she's not even doing that anymore. So she's I don't not. know what's going on. As far no. as the New Hampshire fallout, nothing new has happened except for Marianne Williamson promising us, don't worry, I'm going to stay in the race. Thank God. No because one asked I, her. Because I really want her to be an active candidate when I vote for her on Although Super did you, Tuesday. There was a, um, <laughs> I saw a tweet about from a former staffer of hers who was angry at her and uh, posted like an email exchange he had had with her where he was like, your campaign was abusive and wanted me to like work seven days a week, 24 hours a day and whatever. And then she wrote back a thing about how, well, since you've written nasty things about me on the internet, can we just call it even? (laughs) I was like, that feels right. Like the candidate herself is emailing her staffers back to just be like, you know what? You wrote something mean on the internet. I exploited you for months on end. (laughs) Let's just call that even. (laughs) Classic. Oh man. Um, But also in great news for my punditry career, Oh, yeah. Um, 
way more so right after the New Hampshire primary one of the things I complained about was I was like a lot of pundits are acting like Nikki Haley should be using the sort of traditional playbook of politics here and dropping out because she has no support I don't feel that that's the case A because no one knows what's going to happen with Donald Trump that's a wild card and she is never going to be the candidate if she drops out where she at least is in the conversation if she doesn't so when he goes to jail dies falls off a cliff whatever happens to Donald (laughs) Uh Trump like they're going to need a backup candidate or is just like deposed by a bunch of angry rich people like whatever happens they're going to need like a backup candidate yeah. if she's the other candidate in the race and already has delegates to her name she's in a much stronger position than yeah. if she drops out and then everyone forgets she even ran in the first place which is exactly what would happen, what would happen? the literal moment she dropped out yeah. and then what we have like Ron DeSantis running right. for president who wants that nobody or like yeah. Glenn Youngkin like get out of here right so she's got to stay through at least i think she committed to staying in through yeah. at least super tuesday which i think sort of does makes your point to the degree that like it allow the more people that sort of like are allowed to vote for her yeah. and like see her name on a ballot then right. it's just sort the of like legit. oh she's a but right, so then the more finally legit. some pundits after the initial shock of knowing exactly right. what was going to happen in new hampshire yeah. have started to say that as well yeah. i've been hearing a lot of people a lot of you know very a lot there's been editorials about this there's been op-eds about this i've heard more people on television kind of suggesting this which is just like nikki haley both shouldn't and isn't going to drop out yeah. in the time that it seems like she would normally in a traditional year because this yeah. is not a normal year. Sure. And she's not running a normal campaign anymore. And she should be knowing that to the extent that we're knowing that. Yeah, well, and it seems like maybe she is. The only reason yeah. that I thought that she might drop out and maybe should drop out was only just because... Save herself the embarrassment. I was going to say, she she could and probably will because she's not going to win any of those states, right. let's be honest with ourselves. She might quickly become, you know, one of Earth's most embarrassing people, I, which would be sad for her, I suppose. Is but, um, absolutely going to become one of Earth's most But once you've people. participated in this primary and, and lost to Donald Trump, who, you know, now has to pay E. Jean Carroll right. $83 million for what, either sexually assaulting her or raping her, whichever, Depending whatever. Depending on whether you're Rudy Giuliani or somebody else. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean... You, you've, I was going to say, you've already participated in a level of embarrassment that is pretty peak. Yeah. No, that's I'm <laughs> like, she's already too embarrassing to have a career in politics anymore. The only chance she has to have a career in politics is to just stay in this race. <laughs> right. And see if it just f- f- pans right, out that way. Things fall her way. If the, yeah. It's like all that she can do. So I, By if losing. I'm her, the only way I she wins gamble. is to continue losing. That's right. Embarrassingly. That's right. That's <laughs> that's and that's an important life lesson for everyone. <laughs> Sometimes the only way to win is to keep losing, <laughs> and staying past the your welcome uh-huh. date, yeah. <laughs> your expiration date. Whatever. Perseverance, guys. Perseverance. Nikki Haley, a story of perseverance. A story embarrassing of perseverance. Embarrassing perseverance. Unless. She listens to these dumb pundits that were talking at the beginning of the uh, results coverage and drops out because a traditional politician in her situation would, in which case it will be a story about idiots being idiots. Because (laughs) this is like, sometimes you got to read the wins differently because the context is different. And this is one of those times. Anyway, I've been thrilled to hear that more pundits are coming down on the Lila Nordstrom side of the Nikki Haley campaign strategy, uh, or Nikki Haley campaign strategy 101. And I just want to let you know I'm available for hire. <laughs> you need a pundit. Yeah. Um, if you need someone to say nonsense who's not qualified, I can be that person. Listen, those people are qualified. supposedly qualified. They're not qualified. Based on Nothing. whatever. Fair and they're fucking bozos, all exactly. of them. Exactly. Well, and I would contend that in this year in particular, 
having people who have experience with traditional politics is only going to work against well, you. Well, hello. I mean, nothing normal is happening. I know. What does James Carville know about what's going on? Not, I, like, nothing is working the way that it should. What you need is somebody with experience in gossip. <laughs> this yeah. is just, a, this whole campaign is going to be just rumors. For sure. And I... And the candidates trying to slam dunk on each other. Yes. Like, I've been seeing people, and they did this the last time too, but everybody's like, oh, like, you know, Biden... Oh, like retweeted some story about tr- Trump and like the the tweet was be best, right. which was like it's just gonna be that they're just yes. all gonna be sort of like trying to like There's do some sort Kofi, of like slam be dunk be on each other and it's just gonna be ridiculous and stupid and nobody is yeah better equipped to speak about that than no we exactly are. what you need is people with experience talking about dumb gossip. Right. To talk about this very important gossip. Yeah. You don't need people with experience in how things work. <laughs> this is not how things work, so don't worry about it. No. Um, in any case, we said we would have a legal update about Donald Trump this week. Oh, and yeah. And we do, and it was a better legal update than we could have possibly imagined. Oh, I was going to say, we were going to talk about the... Some boring the, some cases boring that nobody cases cares about. last week. Yeah. Right. This week, we get to talk about this Eugene Carroll case, <laughs> which I... So, as I'm sure you've heard in the news... Uh, she was awarded just like an astronomical sum of money yeah. that no one is really sure Donald Trump actually has. Yeah. And most of that was in punitive damages, which means a lot some of it was in sort of like to compensate for the, you know, for the trouble that yeah. he has caused. Because this is now it's like at this point he's not only been charged with um defamation once but is now like then redefamed and is like now in his second round. But the punitive damages is mostly just the judge being like, stop doing this. I know. Well, and he's continued to do it, well, right? of course, uh, he like, can't be stopped. Right? This is the problem, is he's in like a cycle that he can never stop. Because he right. doesn't even understand that he's doing it. So it's like, how can you <laughs> right. stop? So it's like, he's now at the... And maybe we can just go through this whole charade again. And next time it can be a billion dollars. Like, it doesn't matter what the sum is anymore. No. Because it's ultimately, if he continues down this road, he, it's going to bankrupt him. Whatever the sum. Yeah. But... And he loves being bankrupt, so that's going to work out great for sure. him. If there's one thing that that's he what, can come back from, it's being bankrupt. Isn't that happening with um, Giuliani oh. right now, too? Yeah, except isn't it, Giuliani... Isn't he about to be homeless, supposedly? That's uh, so here. <laughs> back to his couch surfing Sadly, uh, roots. Sadly, he is not somebody who has come back from being bankrupt the way... Like, Donald Trump is like a professional bankruptee. <laughs> sure. Like, he is somebody who thrives in a bankruptcy. Yeah. He, he's not afraid to be charged $83.3 million that no. he doesn't have to pay to some lady that he is continuing to harass... Because being bankrupt only makes him stronger. Giuliani, I don't believe, has that power. <laughs> sure. You know? But Trump was acting himself this entire time. He walked out during the closing statements. He'd already been admonished repeatedly for, you know, like, yammering to himself from the All judges stand. have had it with Donald Trump and his lawyers. Yes. His lawyers are... This judge told his lawyer they might end up in jail. <laughs> she was just like, no one... Like, he was just like, no one has time for, this sh- for these shenanigans. Like, control yeah. your client and also stop making ludicrous arguments up here. Yeah. Like, the problem is his lawyers don't have any arguments to make, so they're just making ludicrous, crazy claims constantly. Yeah. Which is why all of the judges are like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> what is your problem? I know. In any case, so the way that this works, because I feel like everyone's next question was like, does he actually end up paying this money? Right. And so the way that it works, and by the way, this award is eight times higher than what E. Jean Carroll initially <laughs> sought for damages. So like, things are only getting worse and worse for him. Yeah. Um, but... 
he even he even even if he puts it up for an appeal, he has to put up a bond for twenty percent of the amount. Oh wow! So he That's already has to put up a bond for millions of dollars, right? Tens he, of millions of dollars and tens of millions of yeah. dollars. And he already has a five million dollar bond from the last case <laughs> that I believe is still uh, bonded or what yeah. I don't know what the word is. But um, so he he's you know it it would be years and probably a Supreme Court case before he had to pay eighty three point three million dollars to Eugene Carroll. However. He is already out tens of millions of dollars just because it's going to have to be held while he continues to appeal. And of course, they've already said they're going to appeal. They're going to appeal forever. But that only adds legal fees to what is already an astronomical sum of money. And the problem he has here is that he did break the law and do these things. (laughs) So it's like whatever sum of money ends up being the final amount, he is guilty. (laughs) Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, obviously, yes, this is defamation, but like... There, there has to be an assumption, and I think that the judges have even said this in some of their, you know, whatever decisions along the way. Or I mean, there has to be a presumption that he did rape her or sexually assault her, yeah. whichever it is that Ru- Rudy Giuliani thinks that it, right. that he did. No, exactly. But, like, it's not as if he's going to somehow, you know, a decade from now not have to pay her anything because somebody is going right. to decide that he didn't do Clear it. Like, the record. That's of not it. happening. No, exactly. It's just sort of like, what is it worth that he right. to her that he lied about this? Right. Like, that's the question we're at, answering right. now. So just keep in mind that, like, whether or not he ends up paying up, the way that he doesn't end up paying is by dying. <laughs> it's not by this case going away. This is going to be in the courts forever. Sure. And if the Supreme Court settles it, there's going to be some other reason that it has to stay in the courts forever. Like, we're going to have to have a case on the case. Like, it's never going away. Yeah. Um, in any case, one weird slash concerning thing that uh, was noted in a lot of media around this was the judge telling the jurors to never admit that they were on this jury. I feel like that's a nod to the fact that we might be living in a fascist country. No, I think you're absolutely <laughs> right. And you know what? I, I think that was... I think that was excellent advice, and yes. I'm I'm glad that it was given. Well, it's also you know the kind I mean? of thing it's where like, like someone might stupidly have sold the story and then you know been later yeah. died. But like good for that <laughs> judge because I don't yeah. know that if you're on that jury, you you're probably smart enough to but not, not go I mean, around. You're just a regular but, but I mean, person. You're just a regular person. So you like, know things. Kudos to that judge yeah. because yeah, that get your life gets dangerous at a certain yes, point. Yes, exactly. Especially with these kind with, with mobsters on yeah. the loose. <laughs> um, but my favorite Politico headline about this was. The Trump defense industrial complex goes a bit quiet after Carroll verdict. I love Trump the Trump defense, defense industrial, industrial complex. complex. So good. Complex. Yeah. That's such a great phrase. Yeah. Um, because that is its own industrial complex. It really because is. it's so many people. Oh, yeah. So it's many employing, people. keeping a lot of people employed. Oh, yeah. None of them are getting paid. <laughs> They're theoretically employed. They have contracts. None of them but are going to see a dime. they get to be on TV, though. But they do get to be on TV. And think about how many lawyers who otherwise are boring and antisocial he has given a platform to. Totally. I mean, yeah. we have seen a lot of lawyers that are and not worth their I was going to say, he's having to use a lot of obscure ones yes. because not everybody is willing to Exactly. Them. So it's like, you know, he's giving them their moment in the sun, and these are yeah. lawyers that don't deserve one. That's right. So this is yeah. a free moment in the sun for them. Yeah. It's certainly not a paid moment in the sun for them, <laughs> but that's a different thing. There's also a sort of brewing controversy that the Trump world is trying to create around Fonnie Willis and the Georgia case. Sure. That's, of course, the most dangerous case to them, I think, in a lot of ways. So, like, in... Yeah. Some sense, I can see why they've chosen to go this route because they don't have any defense against the actual case. Right. Where they did definitely seek to overthrow an election. Right. That's <laughs> um, the thing. Yeah. And so those those indictments are legit and everyone knows it. So they're looking for other things. They're trying to discredit Fonnie Willis, of course. Yeah. Um, what It's not a great situation, but it's been overblown. And it's also the kind of situation that no GOP um, attorney general or judge or anyone would ever have even been minorly disqualified for. So it's like silliness. Basically, so Fannie Willis allegedly had a romantic relationship with this guy, Nathan Wade, who was an outside attorney and a 
kind of former judge that she had hired to help run the Trump prosecution. The reason we know this is because one of the people charged in the case, uh, Michael Roman, who was an election aide, um, and he's, like I said, one of the co-defendants, um, filed a motion asking for the charges uh, against him to be dropped, to be dismissed, because the filing alleges that Fannie Willis benefited financially from the case, because supposedly this guy who she was seeing, who's the one of the extra prosecutor help people, uh, Pay, use legal fees theoretically to pay for some vacations that they took. Okay. Now this is an example. Like this is literally him using his salary that he has made doing this case to like right. go on a vacation that he takes his girlfriend on. There's also no hard evidence that any of this happened. But Nathan Wade is going through a divorce, and there are these records of plane tickets. Um, so. Georgia's state Senate voted to create a special committee to determine whether Fannie Willis has misspent state tax money because the idea is that she hired this guy in some roundabout attempt to get free vacations from sure. him. Um, it's, listen, like I said, it's not one of the great ways to conduct yourself as the attorney general. Well, it's, it's not explicitly illegal, though, and it's like, it's just sort of like poor judgment because you're high profile. It's This well, kind of shit happens thi- that's, constantly. That's the thing. You know, I mean... Uh, the the case is the case. I mean, right. uh, this is not a great look for Fonnie Willis, but like, I don't even particularly care for Fonnie Willis anyway. I mean, she's also like, right. isn't she? Didn't didn't she use the Rico charges to like uh, uh, arrest the like the cop city protesters and stuff? Yeah. I mean, like, she's she's not necessarily awesome. We're all sort of you know bowing down at her for right. like but she's but ballsy. For, because she's ballsy and like this, as we talked about on this podcast, this case seems otherwise fairly buttoned up, yes, right? I mean, totally. like we talked about like all the documents that were filed right. and the, the, right. and the various to... charges and things like that. But like, I'm not here to necessarily stick up for Fonnie Willis, but like the case is the case. Exactly. The case <laughs> like... is pretty airtight, whether or not Fonnie Willis went on vacation right. with indirect money from it. Yeah. You don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to think this is great and you don't ha- even have to like her necessarily. Right. right. Like that's not what anybody's no, trying well, to convince this, you to do. The reason that like, this is the kind of thing that almost every Republican gets accused of all the time. None of them ever resign. None of them ever leave. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, we see these kinds of improper uses of campaign funds, of tax money, whatever, constantly totally. in Republican, yeah, you know, scandal 100%. media. So I, it's like, this is like a very run of the mill thing. And this is also a bit of a stretch where it's like, yeah, like I said, maybe not like the greatest look, right? But also like a guy being paid and then using his salary to go on. Va- it's not. I I think they would have a hard time suggesting that she paid him specifically so that they could go on vacation with that money. No, <laughs> I don't think that's what's right. happened here. Yeah. Um. So it's just like a. It's not even really a legal gray area because it's not illegal. It's just a bad look. That's yeah. all. But also the. This is a very this is, I think, an example of the Trump team having no real defense together. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, this is like low hanging fruit bullshit that has nothing to do with the case. And uh, the idea that all the charges should be dropped because Fonnie Willis went on a vacation to, you know, Boca Raton or wherever with her boyfriend or Napa Valley or whatever. Like that is so ludicrous compared to the scale of the charges. Like then bring in a new AG, whatever. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, like who cares? The case has been the case is the case. filed. The case is not going to get right. thrown out. So like I, that's a reach anyway. But like, I feel like also it's going like this is like an attempt to distract a news cycle. Yeah. But once the actual like case conversations start right. and they already, you know, we've seen this with past Georgia cases. Right. Like the the look isn't good for Team Trump, regardless of who we think Fonnie Willis no, is or and is the, not. And this case itself also, like, while, yes, has 
not come for Trump himself yet. Like, obviously, A, they have the evidence to have already filed the case. But right. B, the evidence against Trump is mounting up because they've already made a bunch of plea deals in this case. Exactly. So it's not like, so, they're not, nothing is getting thrown out. So, like, no. sorry about that yeah. if you're Donald Trump. But, but this like, is the kind of lame, le- like, throwing, like, a random wrench into it that's just, like, a gossip right. Well, and then you get your, your, your cult then is sort right, of like, oh, like, Fonnie Willis. Fair. And it's not fair. And they don't even understand what it is that's going on. But right. they just know that Fonnie Willis is, like, evil of some sort or something. Right. And then yeah. it's like, right, exactly. Yeah, no, and that's... I get it. Fine. It's hard... When you're having to personally attack this many judges and attorney generals at once, <laughs> yeah, right. it's like they try it with Tish James and they try it with Fonnie Willis. And the totally. reason they're going after them is because they're black women. So that's like low hanging yeah. fruit also for their followers. Yeah. But like the it's they're going to have a hard time with Jack Smith, you know. I mean, that's sure. the whitest man. On, his name is literally Jack Smith. <laughs> like, so couldn't be a more generic person. So, like, some of the personal attacks that they're attempting specifically because they know their followers will immediately fall for it. Yeah. Um, are going to be harder in some of these other cases. Right. And also, like, they don't erase your ability as a news organization to write a headline about what the charges are. And that's something maybe the media should keep in mind. <laughs> right. Yes, like, for sure. I think a lot of these headlines come at times where they're not paired with sort of like a clear message about what the case is. But like, yeah. we could change that. We could. A news report about Fonnie Willis and her personal troubles might be a great time to have a headline paired with it that talks about what the case is in the first place. <laughs> right. Anyway, so that's something that's going on. Sure. Um, but also, it might we might be starting a civil war, so it's like hard to know if any of this matters. <laughs> like, sure. I don't know if any of these states will be in the union anymore at a certain right. point. Certainly, Texas is on its way out. <laughs> Texas has decided to just, like, raise their own army, which they've always wanted to do, oh, by yeah. the way. I and mean, this is their dream. But uh, to raise their own army to, like, go and stop anyone, like, shut down the border. Right. Aren't, um like, other states sending people down to yeah. the border also? Yeah. Well, 25 governors have signed off on this, so half the country has signed off on this. I don't know how many of them are actually sending people and oh, who God. they're sending uh, and whether those people are qualified yeah. to do anything. It's say, like, if you're from, I, I don't know, National Wyoming. Were going. I don't know if they're yeah, being I officially sent or if they're just, yeah. like, going themselves, which seems well, like a thing that those people would do. I think that, they're, that some governors are sending National Guard, or not National Guard, like, state... Yeah whatever, you know, the, yeah. your National Guard, their state National yeah, Guard. Sure. I don't know what they're called. Whatever. The states have, know. like, their own sort of, like, yeah. National Guard-ish yeah, right. thing. Um, so there are, I think they are claiming they're going to send people. Basically yeah. what happened was, okay, so Texas decides that they're going to go rogue and install a bunch of razor wire at the border. Yes. And then the Supreme Court... Our, this Supreme our Court, Supreme our Court. Supreme Court. I think like Amy Coney Barrett and somebody right. else like signed on yes. with the Democrats. To Basically, be like, we're like the federal government has the authority to remove this razor wire. Like yeah. they, the state can't just be putting razor wire up at a national border and then the federal government can't do anything can't do about it. that. Right. And so now the federal government is like trying to get in touch with Greg Abbott and, you know, Ken Paxton to be yeah. like, we're, we need to come and remove the razor wire. And they're just like not answering their phone calls. <laughs> right. They're refusing access to the border for the federal government yeah. um, and uh, demanding proof that the federal government has the authority um, to turn a Texas park that they're talking about into a port of entry. Like they're basically like doing them, like doing a runaround yeah. uh, to try to to try to not answer the phone calls of the federal government. Um, and it's kind of created an awkward situation because it's sort of like if the federal government backs down from this then do they have any authority to do anything? And if they right? don't back down from this, have we started a civil war? Like, there's kind of like, 
you know, Greg Abbott is saying that Texas has a constitutional right to self-defense. Um, but I also feel like he is at a national border, not just a state border. Right. So, like, I also think that, like, maybe the United States has the ability to set its own border policy Seems that like. Texas does not uniquely have. It's it's a complicated, it's an awkward situation, you guys. And Texas is who's making it awkward. And they're doing Obviously. it as a political stance that has nothing yeah. to do with reality because Texas is not actually capable of defending itself. Well, it's sure. like if if Mexico attacked, they would be waiting for federal troops to show up. <laughs> right. They would yes. need the army. Like yes, Texas's right. own, you know, border patrol that they <laughs> that they've raised here. Right. Well, um, it's not. I was going to say because border patrol itself is a federal agency. Exactly. So. No. So like what like the 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 whatever agency has been doing right. this there, is there, not. I was going to say there's just some people from Texas and then people from random states like Idaho and North Dakota right. who just have like big ideas about how exciting it would be to shoot an illegal immigrant. That's right. Like that's who's down there right now. That's right. And they're just doing this as part of their ongoing media war. The same way that they're trying to send busloads of people to 100%. New York City and Martha's Vineyard or whatever. Like this is yeah. all just part of a PR yeah. war. Well, and the other thing that I think is important to mention about this because, you know, this is... I, in regards to the Supreme Court, you know, all of these Republicans who claim to, you know, love the Constitution so much and read it every night before bed and think that Jesus Christ himself wrote the fucking thing are the ones who will, if they don't like a ruling, are the ones who will f be the first ones to be like, no, we're not fucking doing that. Yeah. They ignore Supreme Court rulings for congressional maps mm -hmm. all the time. They're seemingly ignoring this ruling right now and are ready to like actually sort of like start some shit with the federal government over it yeah. like it's so bonkers to me that like they will just be sort of like oh we don't like that ruling we're not doing that well and this is just an election year strategy this has nothing to do For they sure. don't want to be at war with right. the federal government they want to be at war with joe biden so that they right. can run on well that. And that's why they don't want to pass the the border bill oh my god you guys <laughs> so the other part of this that's so annoying and frustrating right is that there is a federal border bill that the democrats weirdly have like a huge incentive to pass because it's tied to ukraine funding and you know how obsessed they are with ukraine funding right so we are now in a world yeah where the democrats are trying to shut down the border. including joe biden want to shut down the border which is by the way the exact same thing that donald trump wants to do mm -hmm. and that's why he doesn't want this passed because he doesn't want joe biden being exactly. the one to do it and the reason that they are so separate or desperate to do it is because they want to have all of the money to make sure that Ukrainians continue to kill themselves in service of depleting the Russian military. That's right. No, literally, think about that like, for this, one hot second. The Democratic Party right now is literally trying to run on closing the border right. to fund a war. To fund a war. That's what their platform is right now. Democracy. And the Republican the Party. Of two evils. The Republican Party is refusing the deal. Just right. to be difficult. Just to be I, difficult. They right. also want to shut down the border. They were ready to do that. They've been working on this for months, by yes. the way. Bipartisan groups, gangs yes. of however many right. numbers of people. Gangs of a million, of, of five, of ten, of twenty, of eight, of six. All the different parties. You've got people from border states. You've got, I feel, I think Chris Coons is the, or sure. from wherever, you know, who, like, these people have been on this. Yes. Forever. The Senate then, has been working hard to right. close the border. And, and as soon as it <laughs> seemed like they might have a... They might have a deal. Donald Trump was like, well, I want to be the one who gets right. to shut down the border. And then Mike Johnson was like, this bill is dead on it's arrival dead on in arrival. the House. So there we go. 
Joe Biden, meanwhile, was planning to run on his great bipartisan show of show, shutting down the border. Shutting down the border. And he's being oh, yeah, because he said, by Mike Johnson. He said that he put out a statement. The White House put yeah. out a statement and said something to, along the lines of, like, if you if this gets signed, it gives me the authority to shut down the border and I will do it. Yeah. And, like, part of what's going on here is they're claiming that the... So, like, this bill would set triggers for, uh, like, for daily border crossings, like, limits. So if a certain number of crossings happen, it would shut down the border automatically and things like that. And Joe Biden is claiming, okay, well, this... Because there are many more crossings than this happening every day, I have the authority to shut down the border if this bill passes. And the Republicans, even though the current levels in the bill are lower than the number of crossings we have happening daily, every day, right now, they are claiming that the number is too high. And that therefore they won't support the bill because the number is too high of allowed crossings, even though it would dramatically reduce the number of crossings currently. Like we're not living in like a logical place right now. No, we're living in a place where Joe Biden is trying to run desperately on a bipartisan show of shutting down the border to fund a war. And the Republicans are like, well, no, we can't do that because then we have we then we would be consistent in our positions. We would never (laughs) want to do that. Like, I I don't even know what they're claiming. Like, they're literally just complaining it's not good enough, so they're not going to do this thing that is not even in the purview of democratic politics until right now. I know. Like, what is happening? It's so bonkers. It's so bonkers. Both of them are using an election strategy that I can't pin down. This is why Nikki Haley stay in the race. I know. There are no rules right now. I don't even know what the strategy is here. I know. The strategy is just to have a reason to blame the other party for nothing. I know. And and for no one to do anything. Right, and and if you're Joe Biden... What win does this get you? Right. You know what I mean? You've, you've, you pissed off an entire constituency uh, that you need to turn out for you right. in the election that you're already hemorrhaging votes, right. by the way. I'm, ta- you know, uh, I'm talking about the Latino vote. Of course, yeah. Obviously. And then y- y- also, like, nobody really in your party supports this other than, like, the, the military aid, which, again, we've talked about on this podcast, continues to boggle right. m- my mind. But... That's right. where we. We're the party that's of war. Where the that's party what's happening. So, you know like, what you're going to do. I know. I'm sure some of the reason why Republicans are not voting for this is a disingenuous anti-war oh. stance, which is oh, like of another bonkers reality that we're living right. in right now. But like this, I just don't understand like what this gets him. I mean, it, it literally is. If Donald Trump, think about what Democrats would be doing in a world where Donald Trump was president right now and yeah. sh- got a bill through Congress to shut down the border. Yeah. You would be, people would be in the streets. Yeah. No, it's so, and also, I can't imagine a world where you're voting on this issue, where you're like, I want to shut down the border, and you think Joe Biden is the better choice for that. Like, you, it's Wild. a no-win situation, because your own voters aren't interested in this. No! And you're, Joe Biden is running against people staying home. Like, his campaign is not being run yeah. against, they're not swing voters right now. Don't worry about no. the swing vote. There's no such thing. Yeah. There is the voters that show up and the voters that don't. You are running in, against nobody. You know, in, against well, right. literal nobody. Yes, You're running against 100%. the idea of not voting. Right. So you don't gain anything from this because the voters who care about this issue, why would they vote for you? Well, that's what I was going to say. If you are a person right now in the United States of America in the year of our Lord 2024 and you think that the border should be shut down, you're not voting for Joe Biden, no. even if he's the one who shuts down the fucking border. No. You're voting for the craziest person out there, of who course. is Donald Trump, obviously. Right. <laughs> but, like, you're not being swayed by Joe Biden all of a sudden deciding in an election year that he wants to shut right. down the border. You're too crazy for that. Yeah. Well, and also, you're 
position is to shut down the border. There's only one candidate that's been consistent on this issue, and sorry about it. I mean, if that's what you want, like the reason that this doesn't appeal to me is because it's not what I want. Right. If I was somebody who cared deeply about shutting down the border right. and only about shutting You'd down the border, you would already be in the cult of Donald Trump. I would Trump. already be in the cult of Donald Trump right. because he is consistent on this issue. Right. It's so. It's until so right now, stupid. apparently. It's so stupid. I don't know what's going on. I, I, I don't either. But border politics right now have gotten wonky, you guys, and also. There's like a whole, one thing in this issue in particular has been really interesting in the last few years because one thing that um, I've noticed recently is that there is like a whole, this is always the case to some extent, but like conservative politics is entirely focused around this issue and we don't hear about it at all because we're just like, yeah, people are going to be coming over the border. We live in a border state too. People forget that California is a border state because well, California doesn't complain all day and night about yeah. being a border state. But like the the kind of the, the like the political realities we're living in are very separate as we know. But this is the issue that conservative politics is rallying around. Well, I, I agree. And it, it's so confusing because it's, uh, you know, if it's all of these people who are sort of like obviously like not from border states who are just sort of so concerned about this it's it's giving me vibes for when i mean this still happens but there was a while where like if you were a person in california this happened to me when i went to go visit my parents when they were in arizona i would be like oh i live in california and people would be like oh things are really bad in california yeah. and then they would have just because they heard that like yeah. on fox news right. ones but they had like, no really? idea why i feel like there's a lot of that like with the border and i'm not here to yes. say it because i I don't know enough about it, so, yeah. like, I'm not a, an expert. But, like, I have a feeling that a lot of the people who are being like, oh, it's so bad at the border, have no idea what's going on at the border. Well, also, I mean, I've heard people say this about New York City, where they've been like, oh, it's gonna, it must be so tough in New York City right now. Yeah, and I've been fine. like, I, it's been pretty normal. I, <laughs> right. Like, I feel badly that there is this crisis going on where people have come for a better life here and have nowhere, there's no housing for them and yeah, there's right. nowhere, like, that is bad. It's not, like, visible in the streets, though. Like, we're not just, sure. like, the city is not in shambles over it. Sure. Like, we are carrying on. It's a city where we're accustomed to having a huge number of immigrants sure. come in. And so we're doing our best. And it's not great. And Eric Adams is the absolute worst person to handle it. But we're all <laughs> right. doing our best. Like, the same is true in right. any major city in America that is, like, trying. It's not driving your every fiber of existence. No. And so you hear a lot of people being like, it must be rough there watching all of these people arriving. It's like, well, it's a city of 8 million people. I haven't yeah. watched anyone arrive. <laughs> like, I've just been minding my business. And it does seem like the city is dealing with a crisis of just like numbers. <clears throat> yeah. And I do want us to put money into that because I do want people to have a place to spend the night that's warm. Like that, you know, but like I'm, it's not like uh, every New Yorker is just like in the muck right now on this issue. And that yeah. feels like- But people a lot, in Idaho people, are. People, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> people are really like thinking about this as if this reality is somehow like making inroads into every aspect of our life. And it listen, it probably should be making more of an inroad. It's like a humanitarian crisis. Well, that's what I was going to say, but right? It's not, I mean, but the idea of shutting down the humanitarian crisis by making it worse on the other side of the border does not appeal to me particularly no. as an idea. And I just keep being like, I mean, I feel like even if it is, even if, even if it was causing us a humanitarian crisis, I would want to do my best to do the nice thing. I don't right. even care if it's the right thing. I think the nice thing is what I want to do. <laughs> right. like, I, I feel like there's a weird anti-logic also at play with the way that conservative media is framing this, where somehow, like, if we don't have immigrants here, then they don't exist anywhere, as opposed uh, right. to the fact that people are coming here because they can't stay home. <laughs> Nobody is right. coming here because yeah, they yeah, are right. just like, how fun it would be to go to Disneyland. Like, it's, yeah. you know, so I 
this is like a disingenuous issue or conversation anyway, but like it is consuming conservative media and it is not consuming progressive media at all. No. Other than the humanitarian implications, there is no concern about this. Right. So like, who is Joe Biden talking to here? Nobody. He's going to just find the Trump movement and get them on board? Those Trump voters that he helps will vote for him. Like, what if no one else shows up, though? <laughs> right, it's like, I just I I saw an article about how he's having trouble with black voters. Like, that's supposed to be his strongest constituency. Yeah. Like, he's having trouble with young voters. He's having trouble with black voters. He's having trouble with Latino voters. Like, who are the voters then? <laughs> Who's voting for him? Yeah. It's a mess. Every day is a new headline about some new constituency he's having trouble with. It's because it's shit like this. I know. Like, soon we're going to, he's having trouble with women. Or he's going to, you know, like, he's going to be sure. having trouble with everyone. Toddlers yeah. don't want to vote for Joe Biden. He should be having trouble with women. Exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, all of these are earned. These troubles I, he's having. But I know. Anyway. Um, oh gosh. Let's talk about how we're turning into a fascist state. Let's do it. Because like, I have a lot of thoughts about this, namely the fact that, and this is what I have been sort of feeling. That was like by I've the way been... our most like progressive media. Uh, throw I've ever done. It sounds like it sounds like we're on like yeah. that was a yeah, like doing, a young Turks uh, Yeah, we're doing yeah. We've yeah, that's a, like a real like I'm left a conspiracy level and like left by like leftist like, right. uh, yeah, exactly. But like I do think that like so we're about to talk about Nancy Pelosi wanting to send the FBI after protesters. Right. <laughs> which is why we said why we're turning into a fascist yeah. state. But I I do feel like, you know, per the conversation that we just had in terms of what Biden wants to do at the border. I, I, I sort of like, I feel, you know, and we've been talking about sort of like who we're going to be voting for. We've been talking about it sort of, you know, we've been joking about Marianne Williamson right. in the primary, but we've also sort of been trying to figure out who to vote for in the Senate. So yeah. I feel like I've been, my brain has been doing sort of a lot of like, okay, well, like, why am I voting for anyone or yeah. any party? Also, or, my voter or guide anything? came today. Did yours oh, come yes. today? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So um, look out for this. And, and I just sort of am like, I feel like one of the the reasons that like, Perhaps the only reason why anybody in this world could ever convince me to vote for Joe Biden, and I still probably won't, (laughs) is sort of like I understand like what the Trump movement as a whole represents. Right. right? I, I mean, like I personally and come for me, I don't care. I don't really think that like he himself as an entity and the president is really too much worse than Joe Biden. And, like, sorry about it. Uh, but, like, just on so many levels, like, I, they're the same. No. So sorry. But, like, this whole sort of, like, Pelosi wanting to send people after people who are protesting for a ceasefire, yeah. like, really sort of, like, strikes at, like, that last reason that I had to vote for Democrats. Yeah. In a way that, like, that's why I wanted to talk about this on this podcast, yeah. because it's just sort of, like, you can't, fucking be doing that no. <laughs> like the answer right. to people wanting a ceasefire which by the way 80 percent of her own party claim that they want to see ceasefire 60 percent of americans want a ceasefire the state democratic party of arizona wants a ceasefire the state democratic party of texas wants a ceasefire the uaw d- d- said that they right. wanted a ceasefire so like the idea that like you think you want to send the fbi after them because they're being funded by russia like are you are you claiming that you want to send the FBI investigators after the state Democratic Party of Arizona? Like, that's your also, your plan to see if to, they're like... To claim that anyone who is a peace protester in this moment where, like, rapid violence just broke out in the Middle East after right. a while of things being at least relatively calm. So we, like, know that they maybe could be. But, like, suddenly this horrific violence breaks out. 
And to declare that the people who are in, on the side of peace, a ceasefire is a peace protester. Yes, a ceasefire protester correct. is a peace protester. It's not. Right. No one, but it's also see, Mr. Putin's message. But that's it's like to, to, to tie that idea, the idea of ending a violent incursion on either side, by the way. A well, ceasefire sure. stops both sides. It does. Um, yeah. To 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 equate to make an equivalent to to equivocate between not equivocate between to make equivalent Vladimir Putin and peace protesting in order to discredit peace protesters is just such a nasty move. Yeah, it's crazy. Also, I mean, it's crazy, and it's also it's politically dumb for a lot of reasons. I mean, it definitely speaks to a generational difference in the Democratic 100%. Party, where of course Nancy Pelosi comes from an era of the Democratic Party where being like rabidly pro-Israel in a militant way. Not even like Israel should exist, but like Israel should defend itself at, in any way it wants to, any way it can, right. um, is a sort of old guard of the Democratic left. Yeah. And the new guard is a lot more like, maybe nobody should be doing these things, <laughs> right, right. you know? And so I feel like it's not only uh, a sort of misread of just where her voters are and where her party is, but also just like what moment we're in in politics. And it's very specifically dangerous when we are in 2024 about to have a majority of the voters in America be millennials and Gen Z. Right. Because that is not 100%. where these generations are. Yeah. They are they are in favor of a ceasefire. Right. Like younger voters in particular, because older voters are part of this old conversation that was happening in the Middle East. When You know, when I was growing up, it was like there was no room for a conversation that involved something like a ceasefire. That's yeah. just not what people talked about. Right. Like this, this new generation coming up has a very different approach to like what our participation in the Middle East should be anyway. Yeah. And it's so clear that Nancy Pelosi is like stuck in like the Cold War era of this conversation. You know, this is like a Cold War era position that she's taking. This is like, you know, it's like the 90s. And like, this is an election where they're gonna have to appeal to people who don't remember the 90s. <laughs> I know. It's, just... it's also not the right thing to do, but beyond no, that, yeah, no, you're, you're just absolutely politically, right. yeah, 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 it's, yeah. No, it's, it's dumb. It's dumb. I know. And it's also, it's like, well, it's, it, it feels it, like the 60s where it's like, you know, anti-Vietnam protesters get tarred with all sorts of like, it's like, it's like harkens back to like a time that we've studied that we know was stupid. That we know is stupid. I know. And the, and the Republicans have done this stupidly and Democrats have like been crowing about it for a while. I mean, this reeks of, uh, you know, BLM being funded by George Soros yes. or whoever it is. It it reeks of um, Antifa. You know, oh, yeah. all of those people are Antifa. Right. You know, a I mean, organization it, that doesn't it, exist. it reeks of all of the absolutely bonkers, ridiculous and and semi-fascist things that yeah. Republicans have been saying about, like, you know, shutting down protests, i.e. First Amendment rights. And it's like, this is that's not that's not what we're doing right now. Well, it's just so, it's so ludicrous like it's so it's so it it overstates it in such a ludicrous way to try to make peace protesters and Vladimir Putin. Well, it also that, sort like, of like I off. know, and it it also sort of like really gets it sort of like I feel like that class of Democrat sort of like Russia delusion oh. also, you well, know what I mean? Well, they're also obsessed like, with Russia, which is another issue is that the very people that this is going to piss off also don't care about Russia as much as you do. I mean, hello, obviously. Like they're th- right? that's why that's Oh, why they're funded I, by Russians? Cool. Right. Like, it's <laughs> like, like, do I like Vladimir Putin? Of course not. No. He's an asshole. I don't right. But like, that's, it's not because of the Cold War that he's an asshole. Right. I mean, it is in his personal case because yeah. of the Cold War. It's because he was part of the Cold War administration. But 
my take right. on Russian politics is not really informed by the present Cold War, you know, right. like the, the present politics of Cold, the Cold War. Whereas like Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden are like still living in the Cold War. Yeah. Oh, it's like, that is not the era, the era of Russia we're dealing with. No. We're dealing with a delusional technocrat who or plutocrat who has too many resources and too much money. And he is running Russia, you know, like as an autocracy. And that is not quite the same as the Soviet Union. And they aren't sort of on. Sure. And, and I don't know. There's well, just something so disingenuous about making that. Thank God she's running for the election. Everyone. Oh, yeah. Saving <laughs> America one election at a time. But I mean, it's it's just such bad faith, such a bad faith. It's a, uh, a big yuck rhetoric, for me. or a, a bad faith rhetoric, and also yeah. just like bad faith action. Yeah. To. That's. <sighs> also... We gotta shut down the border. We gotta keep the war going in Ukraine. Keep the. And we gotta keep the war going, and, and we gotta send the FBI after protesters. That's right. That's Democratic Party. Right. In the year of 2024. Don't worry about healthcare. My healthcare went up $100 a month this year, say. but don't worry about it. That's not and the And you want me to support them because they're the lesser of two evils. Yeah. I got news for you, friends. <laughs> explain to me. They explain are. Explain to me how. They are the more boring of two evils. <laughs> That's fair. That's. Well, once they're both evil, like, am I looking for the entertainment? I don't know. <laughs> well, that's. I do feel like one thing that a lot of, you know, sort of more like moderate Democrats who are very into respectability politics sure. misunderstand about the Trump movement is that like people are not looking for him to be responsible and no. respectful. He's entertaining. They're That's looking, part right. of the appeal. I was going to say. They're, to pretend you're too good think, for the appeal or too good for and reality. And I'm sorry. I think, there, I think there really is something to be said for that because yeah. like it is engaging for all of its faults. Yes. Well, But... Could we also be engaging? <laughs> That's, I am literally talking about this all the time right now <coughs> with uh, democratic politics in New York City. Because you know I have my operatic mayor theory, which is just yes. that New, York's, New Yorkers love an operatic mayor whether yeah. or not they're good for us. And all of our most iconic mayors are operatic and ridiculous figures who are not necessarily the best mayors we've had. Sure. They're just the most memorable. And I think Rudy Giuliani is sort of the last in that mold. But, you know, all, you know, Ed Koch and Fiorella LaGuardia and all these mayors were like bigger, larger than life personalities. And one of the things that I think is very frustrating about modern day, dem why an Eric Adams gets elected instead of a responsible person <laughs> is because respectable Democrats in New York City have not admitted to themselves that part of what you need to be elected mayor of New York City is, is a flair for drama. Mm -hmm. Anthony Weiner almost became the mayor, not because he's not a complete idiot. I mean, I was going to vote for him. So, you know, I, yeah, I would know. Um, but because he's got a flair for drama, he understands drama. New Yorkers like that. That's what we're looking for. And I think to to not acknowledge, I mean, we say this all the time about not acknowledging the kind of role of theater in politics. Yeah. To pretend you're too good for the theater of politics <laughs> when nobody is too good for the, politics no. is 99% theater. Yeah. If you're too good for the theater of politics, you're not in politics. Uh, goodbye. Right. Yeah. You're an academic. You're no Go longer on. needed here. Right. right. Yeah. Go back to MIT and teach your course there or whatever, or the Kennedy School. Or whatever. Yeah. I don't know, MIT was not the right reference. It's a <laughs> science school, whatever. Um, <laughs> My, I was thinking about Cambridge. My point is um, that I think in the national realm, you know, Donald Trump took the uh, format of operatic mayor and brought it to the right, national realm. So mm -hmm. he is playing that character that New Yorkers love so much. And that is why he is doing it the way he's doing it. He's modeling himself on the same people that Rudy Giuliani modeled himself on and Ed Koch modeled himself on. Sure. You know, that's, that's part of the same theatrical you know, genre. Yeah. Um, but to not acknowledge that we have to be engaging too, is only, it's a, it, it only makes us weaker. 
Yes. And to pretend that we're too responsible and respectable for that does not do anyone any favors. And Democrats no. are always trying to pretend that we're too respectable to be fun. We are so yeah. unfun most of the time. I know. And I love being entertained. I don't know about Hello. you. <laughs> like, that's why everyone is constantly reporting on Donald Trump even though he's not doing anything. <laughs> that's too true. Like, that's... We could have that. Yep. And they, we, we don't have to do it in a way where we seem like a complete idiot. No. That's, I actually, I think, I don't think Anthony Weiner seemed like a complete idiot outside of his personal life choices. <laughs> right. But politically, he was not a complete idiot. No. But he was a, a dramatic character yeah. in a soap opera. And yeah. it, because of that, there was, seemed a, like a, there good was time, a new plot Anthony turn Weiner. every five seconds. Yep. And then he kind of overplayed his hand. So you need yeah. someone who's not going to do that. Fine. But like the, you need to, you need to have people invested in the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. If we leave you with anything on this podcast from the last five years of us doing it, it's, yeah. it should be that. It should be that a flair for theater is important. Hello. I feel like that's all we've been talking about over. That's like the main theme of the last like five to six years of this podcast. Yeah, agreed. The first was about how everything was dramatic. And the next, fi- the first five years and the next five years has just been about how we need people to step up their drama game on the left. Yeah. But what are you going to uh... do? Anyway. That's the podcast. That's the podcast. You'll be hearing from us again. We'll be back next Sunday. That's right. And then every Sunday after. Because that's <laughs> right. the kind of respectable... This is 488. We're almost 500. I know. we got to do something special yeah, for 500, but I don't do. know what. I don't either. We're bad at organizing stuff. You might have noticed that. <laughs> for our 450th, 400th, 350th, 300th episodes. All of those went by without much of a... <laughs> yeah. Without much fanfare. But 500 feels like... Yeah. A, what, like did we big... do the, what did we do the trivia for? What was that? Was that 400? That was 400, I think. Yeah, I think it was 400. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, we could try to do a live thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. And also, if you yeah, have ideas months. for us, let yeah. us know, because we're bad at organizing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, you'll hear from us next week. Bye. Bye.